Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Kiffin says he texts Saban to this day. Saban never responds. (laughs) (laughs) Pete Thamel. Hey, Nick, you up? (laughs) And SI's Pat Forty. Let's put it this way. Like, all right, we were rooting for the Bud Light Bandit to continue to get away. Remember the guy that had the five cases or whatever in in, in Texas? This guy, we are rooting to get caught. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. We're going to get this right out of the way. Fat Bear Week. Who was the victor in predicting Fat Bear Week? Me. My man, 747, was voted the fattest bear at the National Park in Alaska. Whichever, I don't know which park it is. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. One of those ones with rivers and like salmon and (laughs) mountains. Looks beautiful. I defeated... Sully's pick. I defeated. <laughs> I defeated Pat's pick of uh, who'd you pick, Pat? Walker with Walker. the humongous rear end. Who picked Chunk? That uh, Pete. Oh yeah, took Chunk. Chunk. Chunk, Chunk got into the, the finals. finals. I'm not going to rip Chunk. You know, no Chunk match. Got a nice run. Yeah, no match. <laughs> you the got Lakers Chunk. over the Heat. Gentleman yeah, sweep. It was a gentleman Chunk. sweep. Chunk got VCU in the semi, though. You got the, you know, the Cinderella, whereas I had, we we were UMass and Kentucky 96 battling it out. I mean, it was a heavyweight semi between <sighs> truly 747 and Walker. If you're not familiar with the Fat Bear Week, it's on explore.org. You vote who's the fattest bear is at this park. Tremendous content. It really is. I did the new download on my iPhone and when I have my AirPods and it reads the texts that come in if my if I don't have my phone. So the like Siri voice reading Pat complimenting his bear's derriere <laughs> demanding a recount <laughs> yesterday just sounded very funny. <laughs> yes, I believe I, I, I referred to his magnificently massive ass, actually. That's what, so, yeah, that's what you said. So it was like yeah. Siri be like his magnificently Mag- yeah, it was just I was just like, oh, not what I expected to hear today. Uh, Explore.org, uh, the sports writers there uh, termed it 747's voluminous visage. <laughs> Eclipse 32's chunky chassis. No longer chunky. the runner up. 747 fulfills the fate of the fat and fabulous as he heads off to hibernation. Sleep wow. well, dear bear. Sleep well, king. <laughs> 
<laughs> we gotta That's hire that guy. Good. Yeah, That's good. Right. good. Yeah. He's a yeah. better writer than we get than anything I did yeah. this year. Yeah. <laughs> You've read my NBA finals content. So not... <laughs> um and we've so also first seen off, your picks, which is why you're trumpeting this pick, because you got uh, one right. First off, Sully, the picks need to be uh, uh, put up there. I'm changing them right now. Ten. It, that's a loss for Pete. That's a oh, loss for Sully. Oh, no. You're not putting the bear <laughs> yes, thing in the I'm race for the cases. Yes, I'm putting it in there. It's a victory. No way. Ten. Oh. I, I, got my t- oh, I didn't Sully. even get a pick, so you can't put a loss there. All right. Yeah. I'll get give a you pick. a no, no contest. No, this is just, you're totally, this is a Cuban election, man. You can't just yeah. all of a sudden, Fat bear you week. make the pick and you win, decide to put it in the race for the case stand. I think, I no think way. we picked. I think we picked like Abilene Christian against Abilene Central High School this year. <laughs> At least we got to see pictures of the Bears. Nobody knew uh, anything. <laughs> Sully, Sully, go back in. Don't, in, don't let Dan change. I don't think the vote is the vote is three to one against rigging this. Yep. Uh, to the victor right goes the spoils. Dan, this is the only thing you've actually researched this year, so I know you're taking pride in it. <laughs> but at the same time, the people aren't people aren't looking at our records for how we evaluate the size of Bears chassis. Is that you don't uh, know that? You don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> don't know that. All right, let's get on to college football. We have, I think, 31 games right now scheduled. Uh, as we know, at no point have the all those games actually been played when I announced that on Wednesday. Uh, but we got a couple doozies, and I want to start with number one Clemson for number seven Miami. The U is the U back, both three and oh. It's going to be the uh, seven thirty prime time Saturday night game on ABC in uh, in Clemson. We won't have the crowd quite the same, unfortunately. But should be a great spectacle. Huge tests, obviously, for Miami. They have made great strides this season. Uh, they're looking pretty good. But this will be the ultimate test. I will say this. Obviously, I don't care who wins. I am not a Miami fan. I am not a Tiger fan. I am just here. But I think college football will be a lot more interesting if there is a challenger in the ACC to Clemson. And the team, other than Florida State, which is a total disaster, the team most likely to be able to uh, get their program up to where they can compete regularly with Clemson is the Miami Hurricanes because we have seen it in the past. I think Mac Brown and North Carolina are coming. I think, you know, Virginia Tech's got possibilities. It's always there. But if you are just looking at the overall state of college football and the overall excitement level that ACC football can provide, Miami winning this game or really making it a game as a statement and further bolstering their program so that there is a potential challenger to Clemson in that league uh, would be the ideal result. So I would go there. I don't know whether they can do it, but the ACC needs some excitement. And this is a rare burst of, hey, Really good ACC game. I'm really interested to see what happens. Uh, appointment viewing, not just, nah, you know. I mean, look, Clemson's a two-touchdown favorite in this thing. It is what it is, but I, I think there's a chance for Miami here. Pat, what do you think? Uh, I agree. This is everything the ACC needs. A splashy game with the name brand team in the, in the conference by far against a former name brand program that people can still attach onto and say, hey, it would be fun if Miami's good. This brings a lot of natural juice to it. It also, I mean, it's, it's a heck of a quarterback matchup. Derek King has been excellent since he got to Miami. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, we know, 
To me, this is it, it may not live up to being as great as the 2016 game between Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, but on paper going in, it's the same sort of feel where you've got really, really good quarterbacks in a game that uh, that will will bring some some real uh, juice to the season so far because we just haven't had a lot of matchups that that you say, oh, wow, I can't wait for that one. And I think this one is it. I was on the Miami Zoom calls yesterday. Manny Diaz was really good talking about this game where, you know, people were asking, you know, how are you approaching this biggest game and everything? And he said, well, we're just trying to get to the point where these games are not extraordinary, where it's not just, you know, this this huge game. We, he said, we want to be like Clemson. He said, for Clemson, this is this is what they do. You know, every game, they, they, this is like, you know, they play four of these games every year. Oh here, oh, here comes the challenger. And, you know, here comes national TV and game day and all that. Like, okay, business as usual. And Diaz said that's that's basically what they're trying to get to. He, he said, too, though, this was a really good point. He said, it's a statement game until the next statement game that sets up the further statement game. And that's kind of the way this goes as you're climbing up the ladder Everybody, you know, when they played Florida State and that was game day, I was like, oh, that was a big deal, even though Florida State sucked. Uh, but the, so then you win that game. And so then the next game becomes the next big game. And you hope to keep building as big games come along. But we have all seen how many times a year, Pete, you know, several times a year, somebody looks like that promising up and coming team in September, October, and then they run into a Clemson or Alabama, and we see what the reality is. Yes, and uh, I have a feeling that's going to happen to Miami here because the you know the gap to get in the conference title conversation is much bigger is is much easier to get to. In Miami's done that; they've gone from a middling team to a conference contender. But to be competitive with the conference winner, the assumed, presumed, and often, I believe, five times in a row. Clemson, maybe more. I think so. 15, yeah, 16, 17, 18, 19, five in a row. Yeah. It, so many in a row we've forgotten, like you've just taken for granted. And I really think the most fascinating thing I'm going to look for on Saturday is Miami's offensive line. Miami's offensive line was wretched last year. I believe they gave up 51 sacks. They were the worst in the ACC in sacks allowed. They were downright brutal. Now they uh, they have the least sacks allowed in the, uh, in the ACC. Now some of that is the way they're playing, right? If you are playing some tempo offense, you, uh, you, you wear out your opponent. There's a myriad things because you're getting the, rid of the ball quicker because Derek King is slippery, so he's not going to get sacked as much. There's many, many factors that go into that. But that does not necessarily mean your rancid offensive line has become a great offensive line. It means you've mitigated it. Now, Clemson's defensive line, historically, certainly, and then there's some very good young talent on it right now, is that's been their edge, right? That was their edge against Alabama. That's been that. Now, they've had to cycle in some young guys, and um, I'll be curious, uh, is, is Xavier Thomas, the defensive end, uh, who was going to sit out, then he came back, but he's not in shape. Like, they, they're they're rounding around in that position. But if Miami can can hold up up front, and the offense is going to allow them to do that to some, to some extent, but if, if, if it all falls apart for Miami on Saturday, that is the place where you can look and look down the road of Florida state. The single most difficult position group to overhaul is an offensive line. You can get a quarterback from the portal. You can, you can rejigger some things. You cannot make guys grow bigger and stronger. Like that takes time and it takes nurturing. Miami's group has clearly gotten better. Now we're, we're going to, we're going to take a pause and say, okay, are they actually good enough to go toe to toe with Clemson? Yeah. And look, this is, again, I said 14 point dogs, on the road. This isn't just the the conference bully. This is a national bully. 
Uh, Clemson yeah. is not fading in any way, in any any way we can see. The offense has not been, I would say, maybe not as impressive as I was expecting so far, but they still got they still got uh, talent there, and they got the quarterback, they got the running back, all of that. So even if it is a game, I think it would matter. This is a team the ACC needs to be good to be a really exciting league. You know, Miami, we, we talked about this during during COVID. We thought that COVID really helped Miami's recruiting, oddly, because they just started dominating South Florida talent where kids could not com- uh, travel around and visit last spring, and they just started loading up on, on kids. They're, they got the 11th-ranked recruiting class in the country, which is really good. They've got a bunch of four- and five-stars. 17 of these recruits are from what anyone would consider South Florida, the three, uh, you know, Palm, uh, Palm Beach, uh, Broward, and, uh, and, and Miami-Dade County. And 20, uh, 20 of the 22 are what Howard Schnellenberger once called, the, you know, state of Miami or something like that, yeah. basically. You get over to Fort Myers, I think there's a kid in Orlando or something like that. If we get those guys, we can win the national championship. And Miami's getting them. Now, these kids are in high school. But that momentum is all there. And a really big-time performance here, even in a loss, would would go a long way for uh, for Miami. And I think, I think the, it will be a challenge. And I think it'll be a good chance to see exactly what this Clemson team is. Because it, it has not been – that offense has not been pouring up huge points. And, you know, maybe maybe there's a little something missing. So really, really good uh, Saturday night game, though. I think for, for the first time in a while, you have a I mean, I'm probably forgetting some, but it's certainly a game in the ACC that you kind of make appointment viewing uh, a viewing towards. I would say first time in four years, 2016, that's uh, that we've got you, you. You got a game that on paper, it looks like, OK. Bring it on Clemson, you know, the, the team that that's going to step in there. And, and again, they may not win. They may not cover the 14, but but at least on paper, it's like, okay, this is a good matchup. Let's see it. Tigers have not lost a league game since 2017. Right. They. It's funny. They they have one close game every year. You know, last year was North Carolina where they had a two-point conversion to win and they missed it. Uh, the year before was when Trevor Lawrence got hurt and Chase Bryce had to lead them back against Syracuse. 17, they lost in the Carrier Dome when Kelly Bryant got hurt early in that game and they didn't have a backup to go to. 16, I was at the fluke against either NC State or against Pittsburgh. You know, there's one game every year where they either lose or they don't lose. The last two years, they just haven't lost any. Yeah, and it, it's funny. All those games were, were not going to – were not like, oh, there was a team with equitable talent. Like, they just laid an egg, you yeah, know? Like, right. or they, it was kind of fluky injury stuff that uh, that that sort of pulled them down to uh, to, to reality. Clemson uh, this year, and I, we, we talked about this last year a little bit. They're like uh, the the Yogi Berra restaurant. It's so popular, nobody goes there anymore. Like Clemson's <laughs> been so good, nobody. Like I didn't watch a snap of them play Virginia. You know, there's like other games on, and everything's going on. So I'll be really curious. You know, it's appointment viewing, and I mean, how lucky are, are we as college football fans, guys? We get that game this Saturday, and then next Saturday we get Georgia Alabama. So back to back Saturday yeah. nights, just right with monster games. Like, just, just monster games. So, I'm fired up. One more little Clemson bit. Obviously, Houston Texans fired Bill O'Brien, former Penn State coach, this week. And their quarterback is Deshaun Watson. There was uh, speculation, uh, seems baseless to me, that Dabo Sweeney would be on the list of the Texans. Dabo shot that thing down really quickly. uh, And I think for good reason. I'm kind of baffled at that one. Do you, do you think Dabo Sweeney would be a good NFL coach? I don't. No, no. Like no. Dabo is about 
recruiting, motivation, organization, culture, not, yes. You know, I was yeah. like, where is, yeah. who, who's coming up with this great college coach. I just don't think he's an NFL uh, coach. No, I don't think he is wired in any way for the NFL. Really? I don't, you know, he's got a great personality, but the, you need more than that to be an NFL coach. And I, I just think that, as you said, he is an incredible recruiter. Uh, he relates well to that age group. And I don't think he really would cotton well to the idea of being in a franchise facility where he's not the big dog. Let's just play uh, conspiracy theory here because it's it's a lot more fun. <laughs> so Jacksonville is sputtering like they really have, you know, for the past past couple of years. The Jets are a total mess and they're probably going to get the first pick in the draft. Dabo is like, in his mind, it's not like a no, I'm never going to the NFL. Like there is there is some openness there from what I understand. All right. So does he go after this season in, in, in Jacksonville is the place where there's been some mutual intrigue. Now, again, I'm not like saying it's going to happen or anything like that, but like if there was a place that would be the place, I, Dabba wouldn't sell in New York. All right. The Jets, he would get no. live in the no. Jets. He wouldn't make it past his like Wednesday press conference. All right. Uh, he wouldn't want to make it past his Wednesday Yes. Yes. Imagine Dabo trying to drive around New Jersey. Like he'd have a whole, like, you know, he'd have a whole press conference with jug handle turns. It just, it just wouldn't be a great fit. But the, the Dabo Trevor pairing to the next level is certainly something that I don't think will ever happen, but it's certainly going to hit the speculation wire at some point. So yeah. we might as well just like, we might as well just like get that out there right now. And I do think like at a certain point in college, like if you're, if you were and Dabo is an icon at this point, they're gonna have a statue of him there. You know, he's he's clearly pushed that place to the highest levels. Do you say like I want to go give this a shot? Now we have seen and Dabo has led a paradigm shift in what college football coaches look like. All right, now they they look more like the the recruiters, the energy guys, the connection guys. Look around the NFL; there are some terrible football coaches right now. Adam Gase is employed <laughs> with the New York Jets. As a head football coach, like I'm bringing this up more to say, like, I don't think Dabo's going to the NFL immediately. I think it could happen. But what I do think is the NFL is just going to stop microwaving these completely mediocre guys who have like if, if you've ever been around Adam Gase, talk about someone who has no ability to connect with people, no ability to motivate people like you, you, you watch Adam Gase right now and you're like that team hates him because they are just not playing hard. So you, you have this sort of like flotsam and jetsam to, to to microwave one of my favorite terms of of nfl coaches and you see the caliber of coaches getting hired you're like man that's like not particularly that impressive so you know like matt patricia is about to get cycled out he's another non-connector um you go through like do, do nfl franchises start to look more to college in order to provide some kind of energy jolt, some kind of connection, like the the Generation Z that we've seen obviously cycle through college is now populated the NFL. Like I, I think it's a fair conversation to say, and and college coaches, there's really going to be no movement within this year, right? Like just because there won't be many high end jobs open that we've talked about. So do we see NFL franchises reaching more to college? What do you think? So the most impactful hire to first off will, would Dabo take a shot at it? It's very possible. I mean, Steve Spurrier took a shot at it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Steve Spurrier, now Steve Spurrier coached some pro ball at the USFL, but Steve Spurrier was almost like the quintessential college football coach, the ball coach. Right. Yeah. And he took a shot at it and it did not go well, but uh, as it normally doesn't for NFL coaches like Bill O'Brien yeah. last January, 
was in the playoffs and had a 24-0 lead on the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. He never won another game and was gone four weeks into the season. Like, think about that. So Bill O'Brien was not a, he was a bad executive at Houston. He's not a bad coach, but uh, he was leading 24 to zero on the Super Bowl champs. Yeah. And he in had the talent. playoffs. I mean, in made the, playoffs. the playoffs. Yeah. Right. And, you know, he had, uh, they couldn't get a quarterback. I mean, they've had a million things. Now he, he, he made his own bet, all of that, but that's how quick it can change. But the most impactful coaching NFL hire that we've seen is Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury is not Dabo Sweeney. He is not was not coming out of Texas Tech with a bunch of national championships. He had just happened to have coached just and never won Baker Mayfield for a year and then Patrick Mahomes, and he got a job. But it yeah. worked. It's working. Yeah. So th- to me, you're looking and saying the guy I think who's who they would be most intrigued at in college football is Lincoln Riley, who yeah. has has run an offense this modern offense and made uh, obviously Baker Mayfield and, and then Kyler Murray and all, you know, I mean, he's got this thing rolling. That to me is an NFL coach who's coaching in college, a potential guy. I just don't think Dabo's that guy because it's not, and, and, and maybe Dabo's personality, which is obviously much more colorful or publicly or charismatic publicly than a Lincoln Riley Maybe I'm I'm underestimating what he does X and O wise, but to me, Dabo's system is Dabo's one of the greatest motivators you'll ever see. So I just don't see him as that. Now Lincoln Riley, I think Lincoln Riley's gonna get some calls, and, sure, and, and and maybe already does. And now you go, well, maybe what if it's Lincoln Riley? He says, eh, you know, Oklahoma, how high can I go here? People are gonna get frustrated. I mean, Lincoln Riley fits the Lafleur, Nagy, uh, McVeigh. Thinking, you know, the, the offensive mind guy that's going to come in and he's going to call plays and he's going to put juice in the offense right away and we're going to scheme him up. Well, I don't think Dabo's like incapable of scheme or anything like that. Um, you know, I don't think that's his forte. I don't think that's what he does best and would be his selling point. But if you want, Pete, now that you've got me thinking conspiracy theories and stuff, here's here's this one. Okay. Dabo goes, the gets the Jacksonville thing works out, okay? You, you, you somehow it stars a line for Dabo and Trevor Lawrence to both go to Jacksonville, which would be very much in their comfort zone geographically, probably. It doesn't work out after three years. Now Dabo is free and clear to go when mama calls him home to Alabama to replace Nick Saban. Because it'd be harder to leave straight from Clemson to go to Alabama than it would be to go not win in the NFL and then go to Alabama. That's, I mean, that's fairly realistic. Whether it's, you know, whether it's Jacksonville or or elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Two more kind of coaching thoughts here. One is, like, if I were the Texans and you have Deshaun Watson, you have him signed for the next four years, I believe. They just did an extension. Why don't you go after Lincoln Riley hard, right? Like, why don't you throw the, you know, throw the kitchen sink at him? I mean, look, like if you took the pre- Patriots team priest and made him your GM, <laughs> and you're going to be paying Bill O'Brien this far, like at least go in and like, in, 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 you know, that would be what I would do if I were there. I Again, just 
knowing that like the options in the NFL are pretty limited, I think that's. Uh, I mean, look at what uh, look what Mike McCarthy's doing in Dallas right now. I think they're one and they're one and three. And Defense that's a Super been... Bowl. That's a Super Bowl coach. I think it's Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. It's you know we got some right. we got some coordinators yeah. that are going to be in that mix. But go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Could could we see Billy O back in college? come back? Sure. I don't think that's out of the question. I don't think that's out of the question, but. Bill, it's not out of the question. I mean, you get him the right job, and and he, you know, he had a great situation at Penn State, but I, I think he 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 will get another opportunity at the NFL. I think as a coach, yeah, he probably will. It's hard to, it's hard to want to leave the NFL, and go to college. It's yeah, it's just a right. different, it's a different deal. And uh, but we'll see. I don't think it's out of the question. He used to, he did a good job at Penn State under impossible. Yes. circumstances terrible circumstances i mean he took that job before the scope and of the penalties that came down and the the toxicity of jerry sandusky uh fully hit the recruiting trail like if he had known i mean he took a that was a horrible job at that point yeah it's it's hard to overstate how toxic that all was like <laughs> right it's just yeah. really hard and, to overstate it you know and, and all the players that were able to transfer immediately eligible and i think their offensive line was completely decimated you know they had like very few yeah. scholarship offensive oh. linemen to work and with. the school was feuding oh, you had yeah, the paterno yeah. faction you right. had the 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 not you know that you just i mean everyone was it was a it was a talk it was horrible and you I mean, can't walk in and you've got nothing to do with any of it. And you don't yeah. even know who's helping you. And it was a little like, I remember this being a thing, because it's a little like when Bob Knight got fired. You're the Penn State coach. Joe Paterno has been recruiting, you know, whatever, Scranton Central High School for 50 years. And everybody at Scranton Central High School loves the guy. And now he got Penn State gets rid of him. And even though you're the new guy and you did nothing wrong, you walk into that place and they're like, we ain't helping Penn State right now. Right. And oh, instead yeah. of normally getting that in-state help, they're like, hell no. You guys mm -hmm. did our guy wrong. Yeah. And so like, there were so many traps and landmines taking that job over that you're just like, oh, my God, I don't even know what's hitting me here. I don't know. I all mean, this stuff. It was still toxic when James Franklin got there. And even like, I want to say it was early into his second year, people were wanting Franklin out and Sandy Barber had to come out and basically publicly support him. You think back now, I mean, you know, now Franklin's being paid a mint and he's done very well. And they're consistently back to being successful. And uh, people are looking at that. I mean, it's hard to believe, but he, he was, he had to deal with the backlash of all that too after O'Brien. Yeah, Joe Moore had a lot of people on the Big Ten, uh, you know, think that saved James Franklin in a, yeah. uh, in a in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, I remember, too, just like after, you know, Paterno was ousted and then I, I believe died very soon after. Right. Yeah, very that much. winter. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. a couple yes. months later. Yeah, very soon after. So like that, I believe, coincided with Urban Meyer getting the Ohio State job. And I remember. Noah Spence, who was a five-star defensive end recruit, uh, he ended up getting thrown out of Ohio State, but he was a very good player. And Cam Williams, who was a linebacker from the Boston area, Brent Williams' son, the former Patriot, they both immediately flipped like Penn State to Ohio State. Like it, it fell apart fast there. And uh, you know, Bill, Bill did a good job. Of course, uh, Christian Hackenberg was his uh, was his yeah. big recruit out of uh, out of Virginia. That just didn't really work out. Uh, in the NFL. At least he didn't draft him, you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of a sign. Yeah, actually, that that fall before Sandusky, it looked like this could be Paterno's last year. 
I mean, right. always. And that was the thing. Urban Meyer was kind of staring at Ohio State or Penn State. You didn't know what was going to open, what was going to happen, because uh, Penn St- Ohio State had uh, Fickle as the interim coach. It was very right. Like the fortunes yeah. could have changed, you know. But anyway, that's where we're at. Sully, I see that you in the document returned the the win totals back to uh, of the race. For the- <laughs> I did it. Good actually. job. Sully. It wasn't. It oh, wasn't sorry, it me. That's the first oh time I've ever I've ever contributed to the Google Doc for the podcast. I am <laughs> changing the Google Doc right now. I have a tenth win. All right, let's, the, we're already little do we know that it's a completely different doc that I keep the, the you can do whatever you want in the doc. It's not going to change the actual master doc. <laughs> I I am playing this season under protest. Seven forty seven was a victory. I get it. You guys lost. That's it. I don't care what we bet on. That's it. All right, back to this week. Because we weren't expecting yeah. to talk that much about coaching carousel, but it's always fun. <clears throat> yeah. uh, Sully is chopping at the bit for this topic. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's dubbed it Prove It Week. Prove It Week for his volunteers. The Vols. What do they have? The longest win streak in the country? Is that what you're calling it? Oh, boy. They're proud of their win streak. They got a win streak. They are so proud of that win They're streak. They're also on a 33 game losing streak to top 10 opponents. And unfortunately, Georgia is one of those. So, big game, though. We will give them that. So, this they would take be the a mic chance. off. Just come talk with us. You know you want to. This you would know be you a want chance. To. We have badgered you and your Vols. Sully, to give, make your case why the Vols are going to prove themselves this week against Georgia. And show they are real. And Coach Pruitt was a great idea. You want you want this you want this now? You, we're making yep. this pick later on. Just do no. it now, and then you, yeah. we know who you're picking. Jeez. Yeah, we know who you're. Picking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. It, it, I might shock you with this pick. Well, uh, I, I got to say, for a team that is so sorry not to have Mike Leach. Oh my God, we got this dunderhead for a coach, right, Pete? That's what you use. That's another crutch you have, dunderhead. Uh, the Vols are playing tough, clean brand of football against Mizzou. Four for four on fourth down, five for five in the red zone, three penalties for 20 yards, zero turnovers for two against games. Who? Against who? Against Mizzou. Exactly. Okay, now, sorry. now, just checking. The big question. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, let, let me finish. You, you guys pulled me into this. So let, let me, let me get my 10 seconds. And of course, now you got to do it against one of the best defenses in the country and the remnants of a hurricane. So that's going to be really fun to deal with. And I think they're going to be able to do it. Jerry Garantano has improved this season. 65% completion rate under pressure. Georgia's going to get after him, but I think that's that's a wash there. What Tennessee has to do on the other side of the ball, it's going to stop that Georgia offense. I think they're going to try to run it down their throat. That defensive line for Tennessee has been up and down all season. You have Henry Toto, who's a stud linebacker. Don't get me wrong, but that's my concern for Tennessee is that front seven against Georgia's front. To be honest with you, I think Georgia wins, but Vols cover in a tight one. Mm. Mm. Okay. Now can we talk about who they've beaten in the eight-game winning streak? Oh, yeah. It's been a, it's okay. been a nobody. This is why this is a prove-it game, and I think they do Let's, prove it. South Carolina, South Carolina twice, Missouri <laughs> twice, UAB, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and by a point in a miracle comeback, Indiana. That's so, two That's two wins over South Carolina that more than that Georgia team has in that same time stretch, I want to say. Well, you want to compare overall records between Georgia and Tennessee in that time? Yeah, stretch? let's go for it. Let's go okay. for it because it's 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 a it's complete complete lopsided towards Georgia. They've beaten actual teams. Tennessee hasn't. That's why I'm yeah. picking Georgia. Okay, yeah, this is getting That's spicy. Nice. We got interruptions. <laughs> this is like Trump Biden. 
Somebody tell. Would you just shut up, man? <laughs> Somebody call uh, each other a clown. Let's do I'm this. not going like to call this. Sully a clown. I have too much respect yeah, for him. 40 for versus Sully. Yeah. Keep going, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be really fun. It's going to be a classic just 14-10, nasty, in the rain, SEC East, the slobber knocker. It's going to be – I'm super excited, needless to say. It should be. I mean, it's good. I, this is what you want. You want Tennessee to get back to this point, right? I mean, the SEC East was fun when Florida and Tennessee were knocking heads year after year. I mean, that goes back to the 90s and up till, you know, maybe 2007 or so before Tennessee fell apart forever, like for 12, 12 straight years. But that was great. And, you know, Tennessee fans care. Sully is not alone here. You know, so to have them in the mix is better. It's more fun. Uh, but this is they're in the same situation as Miami. I wrote about it in the 40-yard dash. This is prove it week for both two two programs that have a lot of great tradition and a lot of great memories, not a lot of great present. And we'll see if they can revive some of that. Yeah, there's ways you can like talk yourself into Tennessee making this a game, right? Like, do we trust the law firm at quarterback for Georgia? Nah. Particularly, I, I do love Tennessee's offensive line. I do think that is a, you know, that is a bona fide high-end SEC unit. Um, you know, there have been there have been flashes and there's some consistency. And like they are at the point where they had not been in previous regimes where they're winning the games they're supposed to. Right. So like credit Jeremy Pruitt. And I was certainly skeptical of that hire as I was of uh, Coach Fulmer as the AD um, for for pulling Tennessee back to respectability all that said and we can talk about it a little more later like no way no way i think that that the leap to be a contender in your division like we we're talking about before as opposed to being an actual like factor in in winner of that is is quite big and i don't think tennessee is there yet gonna be a very very interesting game we'll make our picks later although i think we all hinted at them there but it is good to see the vols in a in a big one i have an update on how much we need big 10 football to return okay um the other day i think it's the last weekend before the big 10 or we got two more to go i think two uh 24 24 23 24 we cannot i think kevin warren please speed this up we cannot as someone who's living in the midwest i don't think we can survive without <laughs> big 10 football the other day, I, I detailed many of the crimes that are being committed in Iowa City as the people bored and frustrated at watching <laughs> Iowa State <laughs> yes. win games have just lost their marbles and like passed out drunk with donuts on them and, and then all sorts of things. Called the cops because someone had a cat. And now we get this one. Okay. And I'm just going to read this sentence because let me see who wrote this. Sloan Terranella of the Detroit Free Press, I'm guessing, never thought she would write a story like this. A man pooped in an empty box, oh. closed it, oh. then left it on a shelf at a Van Buren Township Meyer, police Come said on. Tuesday. Now Meyer is a big, huge store, like gross. It's like a, yeah. it's like a Midwestern boutique Walmart. <laughs> You, you know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of like the conversation in the newsroom around pooped. Like, should we say defecated? Like, did you see yeah. a bunch of like stodgy editors like having Probably. a 15 minute conversation about what's the proper term? Could have used a better word, I think. But whatever. Yeah. Got the thing a car. You could buy anything admire, apparently including a defecation in a box. <laughs> <laughs> Let's oh, just repeat. Boy. A guy walked into Meyer, took a box crapped in the box and then put it back on the shelf for someone to purchase 
So what are these fellow Meyer customers? (laughs) I'm not even going to people's court this. I think we all think death penalty is in order. Okay, I'm not even going to. Yes. They don't have the death penalty in Michigan, but they might need to bring it back for this guy. (laughs) Meyer security footage recorded the suspect pooping in the aisle and then placing the box containing the feces back on the shelf. Oh. Okay, so there is there is video. Not oh. only is there video, but they have they're looking for this guy. Okay, the suspect left, went to the parking lot, got in a light colored Ford Escape. At least he's buying American, and took off. Police said they have no leads on any suspects at this time. However, there is a picture of the guy from the security footage. They're just showing him not in the act of the crime. But he is he is wearing he's a shaved head and described as slender. He's wearing a white T-shirt and a face mask with the Michigan State logo on it. Mm-hmm. He's a Spartan. Sparty. Spartan the will. Poop bandit. <laughs> the, we, even the Spartans, predictably sad looking season. We need something to distract these people so they're not just running around. These psychopaths. Uh, they need to watch a 121 total yard performance uh, <laughs> with 11 punts. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Keep them out of Meyer Isles. He's my, a fan my, of. He's my a fan of average punting. <laughs> I, my, my suspect list. I wanted to know whether D'Antonio shaved his head. We haven't gotten any information yet on that. Uh, but I did. I also sent this to Dane Fife, the assistant basketball coach, and asked if he could confirm his whereabouts on that day. <laughs> That's a, looks it, a it was not like Charles Dane Robinson, Fife. our favorite Yahoo staffer, uh, who's a Michigan State graduate. Uh, we, we, no. we have, we've confirmed he was uh, he was not in the general area mm-hmm. at the time. Right. Any other uh, any other Spartans? But, that I don't we know. It's known? definitely not Izzo. I mean, no, I, no. I don't know. I mean, here's. I mean, like, here are my questions, and I have many of them, but I'll try to limit these. What aisle was he in? What box <laughs> did he, I mean, like, what kind of box? Was it a box that already had something in it? Or is it an empty box? We don't. <laughs> we don't I mean, know. You know. Okay. Uh, the Van Buren Township is right next to Ypsilanti, That's where it. Michigan okay. State star recruit is coming from. So, uh, you got that. No, I, yeah, this, this details are a little... We need Sloan to come up with a better uh, follow-up here. Yeah, Sloan needs to do a little more work on this. Uh, it is a mystery. Why? How? I mean, he's kind of, I mean, what? <laughs> problematic. And I like, did, are there other people around when he's, you know, executing this act? I mean, what, you know, do you just walk in and just grab a box and say, hey, look at this? Or, I mean, what? I, I, what about toilet paper? paper? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Ooh, you bring uh, your own? Yeah, ah. premeditated pooping. I don't know. Uh, I, I think that you know. I mean, there's many, many questions. Yeah, many no, questions. Many Why? Questions. How did you? But right now he's free. He's on the loose. He's on the and loose. As a Michigan resident and someone who does go to Meyer, I'm a little. <laughs> I'm going to keep my head on a swivel. Let's put it this way. Like, all right, we were rooting for the Bud Light Bandit to continue to get away. Remember the guy that had the five cases oh, yeah. or whatever in, in, in yeah. Texas? Yeah. This guy, we are rooting to get caught. Catch him. <laughs> yes. yes. The Spartan Bandit. Yes. Uh, he will not come to the one I frequent in Detroit because, believe me, the customers <laughs> there, they catch a guy 
<laughs> You're catching a beating. <laughs> I don't know what goes on in Van Buren Township, but you no come Deuce to the Meyer on Royal 8 Oak. Mile in Detroit, yeah. you are catching a whooping. <laughs> if we <laughs> stay away from our Meyer. Hey, man, this is it's getting dicey out there. This country's hey. falling apart. Uh, let's get to the other fascinating game this weekend. Whether it's competitive or not, we will see. But we have a reunion amongst two great friends. <laughs> Memories. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin are back reunited. They'll meet somewhere pregame. Pre, uh, the Oxford in Oxford at Ole Miss. Uh, Saban may demand uh, like 20 yards of social distancing because they don't want to get near Lane. Uh, but maybe they'll talk before the game. Uh, this is one of the all-time great like shotgun marriages of convenience. The most, the most stable, the most reserved, the most organized coach in America, Nick Saban, hires this uh, wild man, Joey Freshwater, to come in and modernize his offense. Back in, uh, I don't know what it was, 2015, 2013? 14, 14 I think. 14, yeah, 14. was his first year. And it worked. Uh, you know, think about Kiffin, talented guy, helped them start getting really good quarterback recruits. They weren't getting those guys before. Uh, changed the whole thing. Great play caller. But there were some, there were some rocky moments. <laughs> there was... Uh, there was uh, what Saban calls ass chewings, many of them during the uh, <laughs> during the uh, games when he was yelling at him on the sideline. <laughs> it's just a term I really don't like. <laughs> uh, that was yes, uh, there that was the time after Alabama beat Clemson in the. Uh, playoffs or was in a championship when uh kiffin was talking to the media outside the team bus and saban just had the team oh, bus yeah. leave left without him yeah left him behind i think it was so media to... day yeah it was media, it's a media day, day. Yeah. media day in 15 or 16 first i get fired on the tarmac kiffin said now i get left behind at the national championship <laughs> i think it then again happened again uh before a peach bowl might happen twice listen man you get on the bus you don't hobnob with the media then after, in the middle of the playoffs, Kiffin is uh, told he is mutually agreed to no longer be the offensive coordinator and go take his job at FAU, which only because Saban was able to shout down any questions was this not the most, and they went on to lose. Yeah. Um, but switching offensive coordinators in the middle of the playoffs is <laughs> absolutely bananas. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't care if you got Steve Sarkeesian waiting. You don't switch in the middle of the playoffs and then lose and catch no flack for it. Unless you are Nick Saban. That's yeah. how much Nick Saban hated Lane Kiffin. <laughs> yeah. That was after they had completely laid an egg offensively against Washington. Right. And they yeah. didn't look prepared and the play calling was terrible. And because yeah, Kiffin play, was yeah. working on his next job. Right. Uh, yeah. Since Same that like time, if, if that's, if you're going to do that crappy a job preparing us, go ahead and get out. Kiffin has taunted Saban on social media. He'll post like the, the you know, he makes fun of him calling a, a rat poison. If you hype up the or downgrade the Alabama opponents. Uh, one time Saban had a weird, uh, kind of funny rant about how kids on campus these days wear ripped jeans when he was growing up poor <laughs> in West Virginia. Uh, you'd never rip your jeans. So then uh, 
Kiffin shared a Photoshop image of Saban wearing ripped jeans. <laughs> Kiffin says he texts Saban to this day. Saban never responds. <laughs> hey, Nick, you up? <laughs> uh, I had a uh, I had a very very small role in the uh, some of the acrimony between Coach Saban and Coach Kiffin in December of uh, of twenty where was this here twenty sixteen going into that Washington game I was uh, I was it's been Christmas down in uh, down in South Florida where my 100 year old grandmother uh, lives and uh, Lane had got the job at FIU. And so I had yeah, I've known Lane for like a bunch of years since he was at USC as an assistant and uh, called him and said, hey, you around? Like, I'll come over, do a Q&A, something like that. He was, you know, fired up. FIU was, you know, he's getting, ch- getting a chance again. And I ended up for the sake of efficiency. He had me meet him while he went house hunting. And it was one of the stranger <laughs> afternoons of my career. Um, some, some highlights from that story, which was not well received uh, in Tuscaloosa. Lane, quote, this will come across wrong. Now, anytime somebody says this will come across wrong. <laughs> That's where you probably stop right there, but not Lane. This will come across wrong. But being in Tuscaloosa, and I'm paraphrasing that part, it's like dog years. Three years is like 21. <laughs> it didn't come. Yeah, it went. It did not go well. Did not go well. So uh, I remember we were standing there in the foyer of this house, and he says, should I tell my joke? Of course, I'm not going to dissuade him from telling his joke, right? So, uh, and I wrote, he can't help himself, a classic Kiffin trait, and proceeds, quote, I used to say there's constantly a daily battle between who can take more of my money between Layla, his ex-wife, and Obama. He then (laughs) continues with a little fuzzy math. I figured it out. I really don't make any money. I pay around 52% in taxes. Layla gets 34.5% in the divorce. And Jimmy Sexton gets 3%. I make 9% and I'm living in Tuscaloosa. (laughs) (laughs) Lane Kiffin, ladies and gentlemen, an American original. Unbelievable. So will Saban run it up on him if he can? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Saban does not tend to run it up, but they might not put it in park as completely as they did against, say, Missouri. Um, you know, he kept he kept scoring against uh, against Texas A&M. So especially here's one good reason he might run it up, Dan. Did you hear Kiffin's jab at uh, Nick this week? So Monday press conference, he gets asked about some player on Ole Miss's roster. And. It's the last question. They cut it off after this, probably for good reason. Uh, Kiffin's answer is no, he opted out. And then immediately veers 180 degrees and says, I don't know how Alabama did this. It's amazing. Coach did a great job of somehow keeping these guys happy and, you know, not feeling like they need to go get ready for the draft with all these first rounders. These guys around the country opting out, but none are Alabama guys. Coach must have had a great plan. <laughs> that is yeah, like lane. quintessential Lane Kiffin. Like, yeah, complete wise ass, totally sarcastic, and like kind of right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. but uh, yeah, like, avert, averting the question about his own team and just yes. wheeling around and throwing it back at, at Nick. Yeah, hmm. interesting. I don't know what he meant. 
Yeah. Bama first half. <laughs> no yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah, Explain Bama first it to me over. like I'm a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get to the picks. Let's uh, get to the picks. Try to be fairly quick here because we got a... Uh, we, we went. We went. We we went lengthy. Uh, yeah. We will start. See, Dan, Dan nine, likes to go quick at the picks because that's when we discuss what the records are up to this point. So. Well, we'll just ignore that part because yeah. it's under dispute. I <laughs> under dispute. Although I don't think there is a dispute. Actually, oh, there uh, is. There is a dispute. Seven forty-seven is a victory in my column. Number nineteen, Virginia Tech, and number eight, North Carolina. Noon on ABC. UNC is giving five. Uh, I'm going to take North Carolina to cover. I think they're the better team. Virginia Tech has had a heck of a start, though. I mean, they've been down like two dozen guys and a couple of coaches, including their defensive coordinator, due to COVID. And they've won two games, and they've won them impressively. Khalil Herbert's been a great addition from Kansas. He's putting up big numbers for them. But UNC's a good defense, uh, and I think UNC's certainly the more talented team. I think they get the offense a little more on track. Sam Howell gets going a little bit better than he has, and I think uh, North Carolina plays its best game of the season, wins and covers. So I, I saw North Carolina Saturday at BC, and they were just a tease because they gained a million yards, they moved the ball at will, and then they just completely sputtered in the uh, in the in the red zone. And Mac Brown actually said this today. Mac Brown was not pleased when I asked him about the self-destructing offense after the win. They needed a two-point conversion returned to win. They were up to BC went into tie in the last minute and UNC had the rare pick two by Trey Morrison go all the way back for a uh, touchdown. But Mac was like a little bit like I'm going to enjoy the wins, you jerk. Don't ask me about my offense self-destructing. But today uh, I read a, an article in the News and Observer where he basically said, like, we need to be happy taking four yards. And U UNC clearly was not happy taking four yards. Defenses know Sam Howell likes to go long. They've given UNC the run and they just haven't taken it at times. And so I think there will be some lessons learned. I think Max saying that means he may have a little bit of a heavier hand in the play calling this week. Uh, that said, like, this is one of those games where if you bet, you're just completely ridiculous. Because, like, who knows with Virginia Tech? You know what I mean? Like, they have been, like, one of the programs that has continued to play, one of the most impacted by COVID. So, like, their defensive coordinator who's back has never called a game. Um, Hendon Hooker, their quarterback, I don't believe has played yet this year. And so, like, it's just, like... I think North Carolina is going to win because of a two-game body of empirical evidence and the fact that they have a great offensive line. That was one of the things that really struck me about seeing them in person. They have an offensive line that can impose its will. Um, but I just I think like I can't in good faith take Virginia Tech in this game just because we don't know what they are and what they will be. Sully? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I don't know what you're going to pick, Dan, but give me Virginia Tech. I'm sick of hearing about North Carolina. They're a paper tiger. We've heard about them all offseason. They played two of the worst, actually the two worst statistically, rush defenses in the ACC. Khalil Herbert's going to rush, run it down their throat. Give me the Hokies. I'm taking UNC. I, I think that they got the scare under B, against BC that they will have uh, – needed to correct and i i don't know what i just don't know what virginia tech is um but yeah i'm with pete on this one if you're betting it god help you all right <laughs> yeah. number 22 texas at oklahoma how about that we didn't even discuss the red river rivalry yeah that's yeah. the state of things there, there, there's no texas state fair there's no good teams in this game we didn't play will you eat it that's really the disappointing part well, there's yeah. nothing to eat it's yeah like, the, the fairs closed down right so deep fried butter would you eat it 
Um, we could bring Pat, it out yes, another Pete, t- no at, yeah. ho- at home. Yeah, it's kind of what it was. Pat would say yes, uh, everything, and yeah. yeah All just right, about. Uh, Oklahoma has been installed as a two point five favorite. Go ahead, something's got to give here, Pete. Texas is like the most frenetic team week to week to try to pick. I mean, they're they and this has been like the whole uh, the whole Herman era. Um, Oklahoma, it's 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 dueling it's dueling disasters as we talked about in the last podcast and I wrote about last week. I am uh, I'm going to go against my instinct and take Texas here. Uh, I think that Texas has shown like the consistent ability to 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 move the ball with Sam Ellinger, and uh, I just I think Texas's defense sucks less. I think that would probably be like what what it would come down to. So it would not surprise me if Oklahoma beat them by 21. Like. Who knows with these teams? Oklahoma's certainly desperate. There's there's some pride there. I think what is Lincoln Riley against Tom Herman three and one? Is that right? Because they they split the one year. I'm going to go uh, against my instinct and take Texas. I think uh, look for Josh Moore to have a big game at receiver. He's really come on for the uh, Longhorns. Uh, Texas has three sacks through three games. Rattler's going to have some time back there, uh, and he's going to be able to pick them apart a little bit and put together a decent game. Give me OU. Yeah, you know I'm I'm going just against trend here because it just doesn't make sense. Texas has covered five years in a row in the regular season meeting in the actual Red River shootout in the Cotton Bowl. They have covered five years in a row. So they're not going to cover six. That just seems like too much to ask. Uh, I think Oklahoma is just better. I do think that they will settle down and run the ball more. Uh, they had, you know, they had an opt out and a transfer that hurt their running back situation. But I think Spencer Rattler, they're going to put the ball a little more in his hands, maybe ask him to run more. He's not like an electrifying runner, but he can do it productively. And uh, so I think they they are going to just settle in and don't screw around and they're going to win. And with covering, if a field goal covers, then absolutely give me Oklahoma there. I'm taking Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma has been good at times and then collapsed. I don't know that Texas has really been good at all uh, in these first couple games. So I am going to go with that as my my take is Oklahoma could be good. I'm just not sure what we're getting out of Texas. So I'll take Oklahoma even though Texas is getting the points. All right. I have a feeling this is going to be a wild game, by the way. Like, it's going to be crazy. It better you know be. what I mean? Like, like, like it's just – I just really think the desperation combined with the ineptitude combined with the stage and the stakes, I uh, I do I do think it's going to be a must-view shade and fraud. Yeah, and if Oklahoma gets up, it's like not like you're like, well, all right, that's it. Like, dude, these guys gag away leads like no one's business. <laughs> yeah. All right, number four, Florida at number 21, A&M. Uh, Jimbo Fisher on A&M's progress since he's arrived. One, we expect to win the game. We didn't used to expect to win the game. Okay. That's nice. How about winning the game? (laughs) Yeah. How about actually winning? This is like seven and a half million, not to just expect to win. Now I think I can do well on the test. Yeah. Well, (laughs) let's just do well. Not really. Attitude is not altitude. Uh, Sully, you go first. Oh, Gators are given six. I would make this the lock of my week, lock of the week if we weren't already picking it. Uh, Florida's offense is a thing of beauty. I have a man crush on Kyle Pitts. Uh, and yeah, I, th- I think he's going to put up six touchdowns against AM. He's going to match his season total. <laughs> give me give me the Gators. The rare six pack <laughs> touchdown call. <for> tight end. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pete? The only thing AM has going for them right now is desperation. It, 
I just I have a hard time drawing up a path to victory like Kellen Mond turtled again when the stakes were highest uh, with the pick six he threw against uh, against Alabama. Yeah, like that. The only like argument for A&M that that I can conjure um, is that their their back end is horrific. Um, now, look, it's Alabama and Alabama's got elite skill. Alabama's skill is still better than that. Florida's defense is pedestrian. This could end up being a high scoring game. It could be like a little bit of a shootout. But I I, I ain't taking I ain't taking Jimbo that it's going to be really interesting. And I wrote about this last week on Yahoo. If A&M leaves this game one and two with a with a, you know, like a Vanderbilt slog and then they go to Starkville with their terrible secondary with the potential to go one and three like this. This conference only SEC is going to eat up some 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 of the better programs. And uh, Jimbo right now is uh, falling right into the meat grinder. So that's a long way to say, give me the Gators by 14. Pat, uh, say it quicker. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a great point, though, that the, the, the conference losses are going to add up and you don't get the buffers of those those easy non-conference wins. And that's going to that's going to wear on some people. I'm taking the Gators. Uh, quick note here, and I'll try to be quick, Dan. Uh, first, A&M's first ever SEC game was against Florida at noon in Kyle at Kyle Field in 2012. I was there with Mike Slive the night before they went to a dinner. They wouldn't let me go to the dinner. I, they let me come in afterwards when everybody was drunk, and some A&M booster popped off and said, in five years, we'll be the controlling brand in this state. And it really hadn't really worked out. They may be actually, they may be just as good as, as Texas, but the whole state is not very good. So never yeah. mind. Really, all Don't. they've done is invited the other SEC schools into Texas to take the great players yeah. from Dallas and Houston. That's been their SEC legacy so far. Yeah. Uh, they were so chesty, those AM fans during the Menzel years. Uh, U- UTEP is three and one. Let's not let's <laughs> not trash UTEP, please. Uh I'm taking the Gators. The Kyles will take care. I don't know how this is only six. That's the I only thing either. that's scaring me. Is what do they know that I don't? The only reason AM is ranked 21 is because there's like 30 teams playing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not ranked if the Big Ten starts this week. So this yeah. is, I, I have no idea how they're ranked. Uh, totally baffling. Uh, except this is the vote. Where's that poll attack? We need Gary Paris to do the poll attack. Yeah. All right. right. All right, Sully. Here's your game. Volunteers at Bulldogs. Uh, Georgia is uh, giving 12 and a half games at 3:30 on CBS. Tennessee is one of two teams without a turnover this season. Kansas State is the other. I saw an unbelievable stat from the, I think it was the Lincoln paper. Kansas State and Nebraska have the same record since Nebraska last won an, uh, a conference title, which is like 1999. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yep. But anyway, they're almost almost identical, not completely identical, almost but very same. close. Yep. Anyway, has nothing yep. to do with this game. Meanwhile, Kirby Smart is 15 and 9 against ranked opponents. Uh, Sully is on the record as taking Tennessee to cover. Pat, go ahead. I'll let you pick, but yeah. I think I know your pick too. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Georgia. The one thing, if the weather's bad, it could be an equalizer. This could end up being 17 to 10 or something or 17 14. But uh, if all things are equal and both teams can play uh, to their fullest ability. Georgia has a lot more ability and a lot more experience in these situations. And Georgia's going to win and cover. Yeah, we dove into it. So I'll, I'll be quick. I think Georgia wins and covers. And I really just think this dog defense is going to be one of the two or three elite in college football this year. And this is their forum to show it. I'm taking Georgia as well, but I would go with something Pat said, if that hurricane is coming through and it is raining like crazy, 90% uh, chance on Saturday, boys. Yeah. I mean, sure you don't want to change your pick. 
<laughs> it's a scary. Uh, do not bet this game until three twenty nine ET. Last on- time there was a remnants of a hurricane coming through Alabama. Granted, much better team blew the doors off of Georgia. So that's a nice sign. Well, uh, ability to run the ball should help. I have no idea. This is going to be a swamp. Don't pick this thing on a Wednesday, but I'm going to take Georgia. All right. Uh, number seven, Miami at number one, Clemson. Clemson's given 14. Clemson 31 and 18 under Dabo versus ranked teams. I'm guessing that number is really good of late. 730 on ABC. We'll all be watching. Uh, Pat, I'll start with you. These are the kind of games Clemson lives for. And I did the gut on the Clemson Zoom calls as well this week. And you could tell Miami had gotten their attention by, you know, having a little bit of Miami, a little chip, a little swag, a little chesty. And so Clemson's like, oh, really? Oh, you want to do that? Okay, let's go. So that's when you when you've got Clemson's attention and you think it's a challenge. Uh, that's when you see the best out of Clemson. They're going to, I think, not just win and not just cover, but perhaps just blow the doors off of them. Yeah, I think going back earlier, I think Clemson's defense is able to disrupt the flow, the timing, the 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 tempo of Miami's offense. This is really the first time they're going to be going up against, you know, exponentially better talent for 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 a way for a way to put it. I I like the direction Miami's going in. I really like the changes Manny Diaz has made. He's really proven to be uh, proven savvy early on. There, uh, there have a lot of optimism for Miami long term. In the short term, I think Clemson uh, beats him by 21. We're getting pulled to sleep a little bit by Miami's defense. They're certainly stout, and there's some question marks for for Clemson uh, on the offensive line. So that that should be a good good little mashup right there. But yeah, I, I think uh, Dabo wins it running away in, in the end. Not, Give me the Tigers. I haven't loved Clemson's offense, but 14 is enough. This, uh, yeah, Miami's going to have to prove it to me. Uh, I will take Clemson on that. All right, lock of the week time. Who has got their lock of the week ready and wants to go first? Texas Tech rolls in as a 12 and a half point underdog to the mighty Cyclones. I don't think any Big 12 team is 12 and a half points better than any other Big 12 team this year. And <laughs> Texas Tech, quite frankly, look, they're, they're, they're one and two. They wheezed by Houston Baptist in the opener. They had Texas beat. Um, and obviously, uh, obviously K-State beat them by 10 last week uh, on the road. I just think they, they have enough. Uh, it wasn't like Iowa State stoned Oklahoma. They outscored them. I just think Texas Tech has enough skill and enough talent on the outside and enough offensive firepower to be in this game. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if Texas Tech won, but I don't think like all of a sudden, you know, we're going we're gonna to declare Iowa State as some juggernaut that's going to be disposing everyone by three touchdowns. So I really like the points here, and I will not predict a Texas Tech victory, but I will predict a comfortable cover in a like 52-48 kind of big 12, 12-E game. So I always hate picking big 12 games to lock of the week because like they're just so frenetic. But here we are. I am, uh, I am guns up. I got mine. I got mine. Go ahead, son. All right. Uh, Florida State, terrible. Terrible. Did it. Notre Dame is laying 20 and a half. Love that number, specifically the little, little hook towards the 21. Give me the Irish big over Florida State. Are we allowed to have the same lock of the week? Because that was mine. Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I was thinking put, about that one, too. Put me yeah, down for Notre Dame. They are rested up. They've gotten through the team meal. (laughs) Florida State stinks. They got a good offense. They look great against South Florida, who I know is terrible, but so isn't Florida State. Boom. I'm taking Irish. They'll win by three touchdowns. 
Uh, so I'm with I'm with Sully on that. Pat, finish this up. Okay, I'm I'm going Big Twelve here against Pete's counseling. Uh, Sully, what do you have for the line on Kansas State TCU? Uh, Kansas State TCU. It is. We'll give you nine. Yeah. TCU okay. given nine. Give me Kansas State to cover the nine. TCU. I, I looked in in recent years when they beat Texas, they lose the next game because beating Texas is a big deal to TCU, and so. I am counting on that once again being a bit of a deflator. In 2016, they beat Texas and then lost to Kansas. They were a three-point favorite to Kansas State and lost by 24. 17, they lost to Texas and turned around and lost to Oklahoma. In 19, they beat Texas, turned around and lost to Oklahoma State. So they're going to lose this game, or at least they're not going to cover the nine. Kansas State, again, doesn't beat themselves. Uh, give me the Wildcats. So we're taking, you guys are picking against both of the, uh, we're going to call them the hangover games, TCU yep. and Iowa State. Yep. Yeah. Gonna, that's yeah. a that's so. a great pick, Pat. Like, I can't, like, I can't fathom how, well, K-State gets a bunch of guys back, too. Remember they had those three defensive backs back? Yep. And again, yep. I don't know that factually, but they've missed their two weeks, numbers, contact tracing, COVID, all that, uh, all, all that stuff. So, yeah, God, it's it, it's stunning that TCU is a nine-point favorite. Yeah. Uh, All right, that's our show. We'll be back to overreact to it all on the Overreaction Monday. See where we went wrong or where we went right. Talk to you all then. Please continue to subscribe. Share us on social media. Tell your friends. Play us at your tailgates. Whatever you got to do. We need all the help we can get. Enjoy the big weekend. Talk to you then. One, two, Three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.